Good morning. You may not know, but that song we just sang was written by Stephanie Martin. Uh, so, yeah, good, good job, Stephanie. Yeah. My name's Andy. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm glad that you're worshiping with us today. Uh, if you are new here, if this is your first or second time, welcome. Even if you're not new, welcome. Uh, those of you that we know really well, you're welcome. We love to see your faces uh, every week. Um, if you're new here, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, we have kids ministry uh, every other week. We think that it's important for the kids to be up in the service with us on a consistent basis. This happens to be Kids Sunday. The kids are always welcome in here anytime, but if you want to take your kids downstairs, that's fine too. If they get a little fussy squabbly, that's not going to bother me at all. I've got five kids of my own and I know how that works. So um, it's, not, not, it's okay, they're, they're welcome here. Also, if you're new or even if you're not new, there's a little card in the seat pocket called the Connect card. Uh, we'd love for you to put your name on that and any information about yourself or, or anything like that. And on the back, there's room for a prayer request. Every time somebody fills out one of these cards, we pray about it that week. And so we'd love to pray for you specifically. And you can just fill one of those out and drop it in the black offering box on the way out. And we would love to follow up with you in prayer. A couple of other announcements. Next Sunday, we're decorating the church for Christmas. And so if you want to stick around after this service next week and help us throw up some Christmas decorations, we'd love that. Also, we really love being together as the family of God. And so on December 3rd, we're going to have a Christmas family fun day. Uh, we're just going to get together, enjoy being together, build some gingerbread houses, eat lots of sugar, and have some fun. So come out to that. It's a Saturday. And then uh, it's a little bit early yet, but Christmas happens to be on a Sunday this year. Christmas Day is on a Sunday. That doesn't happen very often, maybe once every seven or eight years or so, depending on a leap year in there. Um, so... <clears throat> We wanted to let you know, we're going to have Christmas Eve services on Saturday, Christmas Eve, 4 o'clock and 6 o'clock. Um, you can come, those will be identical services. Then we're going to have another service on Christmas Day at 10 a.m. That's not the same as the Christmas Eve service. That's a, our normal Sunday morning worship gathering. And somebody asked me recently, um, why are we doing Christmas, or are we going to do church service on Christmas Day? Isn't that taking something away from the kids? And I said, actually, no, that's it's the opposite, right? This is a great opportunity for us as parents to remind our kids, hey, you know what Christmas is really about? Not presents, not PJs, and the Christmas tree, and the ham. All those things are great. But Christmas is ultimately about Christ. And that God so loved the world that he gave the best gift, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. This is a great opportunity for us to say, hey, as a family, we make Christ a priority on Christmas and we're going to gather and worship. There'll be plenty of time on Christmas Day for PJs and presents. Uh, okay, that's all I've got. Um, let's get into the sermon this morning. We've been in a series called In God's Family. Uh, around the holiday seasons, we're talking about God's uh, family traditions. Different families have different traditions and and practices and we've been looking at some of them uh, here around the holidays. Two Sundays ago we talked about how in God's family we remember and we talked about communion. Communion reminds us that God created us to be in a relationship with him but our sin separated us from God. So the son of God, the second person in the trinity, 
became a flesh and blood human being. That's what the bread and the wine of communion represent, the flesh and the blood of Christ. He became a human being, gave his life on the cross to pay the penalty of our sin, resurrected, giving us victory over sin, and we remember every time we take communion that the story isn't over because he's going to come again and we're going to have the wedding banquet of the Lamb. Uh, Last week we talked about how in God's family we celebrate new birth. We talked about baptism. And Jesus commanded baptism because it is an expression of genuine faith. And uh, it's a milestone in our lives. We all go through seasons of doubt where we wonder, do I really have faith? Did I really choose that? Is this really who I am now, a follower of Christ? And we can look back at our baptism and say, yes, there was a moment in my life when I chose for myself to follow Christ and I marked that moment with baptism and so baptism uh, is is celebrating that in Christ that new birth in Christ this week we're going to talk about fasting and I understand the irony of talking about fasting the week of Thanksgiving we're about ready to go and stuff our faces full of the best food Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about fasting and some of these practices um, it's like when you when you get a new uh, rifle When you get a new rifle and you're going to go deer hunting, you can't just buy the gun, come home from the store, and then go out to the field and start shooting. What do you have to do first? Sight it in, right? Because just because it has a scope or whatever on there doesn't mean that it's gonna shoot straight. You have to go to the range, and then you set it up, and you shoot, and you say, oh, it's, it's a little high and to the left. You start adjusting the sights until it gets consistently hitting where it's aiming. These practices are like sighting in our souls, to keep our hearts aligned with the heart of God. And sometimes, even when you have a deer rifle and you've sighted it in, it gets bumped, it gets dropped, something happens. Occasionally, you have to go back to the range and re-sight it in. That's what these practices are all about. And that's what fasting is like. Uh, This morning, we're going to talk a little bit about it. This might be a little bit more of a teaching than a preaching, uh, similar ways of communicating, but slightly different. But I want to really understand what fasting is and why we do it. Because of all the practices in God's family, fasting is maybe one of the least understood. And in our branch of Christianity, it's probably one of the least practiced. And maybe we don't practice it more because we don't really understand what it is or why we should do it. Uh, So let's talk a little bit about fasting. The first thing I wanna do is clear up some misconceptions about fasting. Um, These come from the website gotquestions.org, which by the way, is a fabulous resource. A group of Christian scholars and theologians and pastors, and they write short little uh, articles answering specific questions. As of this morning, they have answered 712,372 questions. So you could go to gotquestions.org and type in pretty much any question about God, the Bible, faith, spirituality, anything, and find an answer. And it's a great resource. So uh, their uh, information about fasting, I just wanted to pull some stuff from their website, uh, clear up some misconceptions. First of all, fasting is not a way to get God to do what you want. Right? That's what I was taught when I was a kid. If you want God to do something for you, you need to show him you're serious in your asking. You need to show him how serious your faith is. And when you fast, that shows God that you're really serious about your faith and what you're asking. 
But that, God cannot be manipulated by us, right? We can't go to God's miracle store and pull out our spiritual wallet and say, well, I've got some faith dollars and I've got some prayer dollars and I've got some fasting dollars and I've got some church attendance dollars and I even sang one of the songs last Sunday. That should get me like a bonus. And then what can I buy from God's miracle store with all of my faith dollars, right? That's not how it works. We don't have a transactional relationship with God like that. It's not business. It's personal. Fasting is not a way to get God to do what you want. Uh, Another thing is this. Fasting should not be used to punish the flesh. A lot of times people think about fasting in terms of I messed up. I relapsed. I did something I wasn't supposed to do. I went back to an old sin uh, or whatever. And so I need to do something to pay for that sin. So I'll fast two days this week. Fasting is hard, it's uncomfortable, and and somehow we feel like we're paying our penance. That's not how fasting is supposed to be used. In fact, in Colossians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says that the harsh treatment of our bodies has no value whatsoever in in restraining sinful desires. You can treat your body as harsh as you want. It doesn't actually work to stop the sinful desires of your heart. So fasting should not be used to punish the flesh. Number three, fasting should be a humble and private practice. In the Sermon on the Mount, we went through that a few months ago uh, on Sundays as we preached through that sermon that Jesus gave. Matthew chapter six, Jesus says, uh, he's teaching about fasting. He says, when you fast, don't fast like the hypocrites and the religious leaders do. They, they dishevel their faces and, and put on scratchy clothes and rub ashes all over their heads and they walk around like this, oh, I'm fasting, oh, and everybody's like, wow, you're super spiritual, look at you. And Jesus is like, don't do that. When you fast, wash your face, comb your hair, put on nice clothes, that way nobody will notice that you're fasting except your heavenly father who sees what's done in private. He'll see what you're doing and he will reward you, right? So fasting should be a humble and a private practice. And uh, the fourth misconception I want to clear up, scripture does not command Christians to fast. It does, however, present fasting as beneficial. So some of the practices like gathering for worship, uh, baptizing, these are commands. If we don't do them, we're actually being disobedient to God's word. Fasting isn't like that. The Bible does not command Christians to fast. It does say that fasting is beneficial, it's helpful. We have several uh, positive stories about fasting in the New Testament. Acts chapters 13 and 14, um, two different occasions. Believers were getting ready to make important decisions and before they made the decisions, they prayed and fasted, right? So fasting has some value and it's, a, it's good, but it's optional. You can be a disciple of Christ your whole life, never fast once and still be faithful to the Lord. So the question for us really this morning as we get into scripture is uh, if this is an optional command or an optional uh, thing, practice, what's the purpose of it? What is the purpose of fasting? It's not required, it's, it's beneficial, it's helpful, but not necessary. What's the purpose? Well, I want to turn to Isaiah chapter 58 and we'll be talking about that Um, I'm going to read it from the NLT this morning. That's the translation I'll be using. Um, I just really like the way the NLT translates this passage. Um, But uh, we're going to read the whole chapter. It's only 14 verses, and there's a lot of stuff in there that's not necessarily directly related to fasting. But as I was studying this week, I just felt really moved 
by the beauty and the power of this poem from Isaiah. And I wanted to share the whole poem with you and then we'll pull out uh, the, the pieces that we're going to talk about with fasting, but I wanted you to see it in its context. Isaiah chapter 58, verse one. Shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud, don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins. Yet they act so pious. They come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves and you don't even notice it. I will tell you why, I respond. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. When, what good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourselves with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer, yes, I am here, he will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those who are in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interest on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised to your ancestor Jacob. I, the Lord, have spoken. Beautiful poem from Isaiah 58. What I want us to see in that message is the big idea. Fasting reminds us of what really matters. Loving God and loving others. Fasting reorders our priorities to be in alignment with God's priorities. It sights in our hearts so that we are focused on the heart of God. It reminds us of what matters most, loving God and loving others. So let's break that down just a little bit. First of all, we fast to redirect our attention to God. We fast to remind ourselves that the most important thing in life is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. In Isaiah 58, the Lord rebukes the Israelites for their self-centered, false piety. Their false practice of religion for selfish reasons. 
Look at verse 2. He says, they act so pious. They come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn all about me. Busy, busy, busy with worship and Bible study and learning and this and that and all these religious things. But their hearts aren't in it. He says, they ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending that they want to be near me. We fasted. You're not impressed. We've been hard on ourselves. You don't even notice. Here's why, God says. It's because you're fasting to please yourselves. You've missed the whole point. Verse 5, you humble yourselves by going through the motions, bowing your heads, dressing in scratchy burlap, right, covering yourself with ashes. He says, you've missed the whole point of fasting. It's not to please yourselves. It's actually to redirect your attention off of self to God. The most important thing in life is not me. It's not self. It's not self-care. It's not self-love. It's not self-help or self-improvement or self-actualization. It's loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? The most important thing in life is not who won the midterm elections or who's on the Supreme Court or what decisions they're making or who's in the White House. The most important thing in life is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? The most important thing in life is not Spider-Man No Way Home or Thor Love and Thunder or Wakanda Forever, right? The most important thing in life isn't money or wealth or prosperity or health or fitness or making sure I'm in shape for the summer so I look good in my swim trunks, right? These things are not the most important things in life, Now, are some of those things important? Yes, but they're not the most important. Fasting is a way of reminding us of what is most important, and that is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It redirects our attention to God. You know, um, I did this uh, several years ago. I think I was was in college, actually. I was out hunting, and I was it was a bad day. I wasn't seeing any deer. And I had, I had heard that uh, about this thing to, to try. And so I tried it. And I would encourage you sometime to do it. You could do it anywhere. It really works well if you're out in the woods. But you could do it anywhere. You really need kind of a good chunk of time, at least a half an hour. But I, I did it for an hour. I was sitting in the woods and I wasn't doing anything else. So I just decided I'm going to close my eyes and not open them for an hour. Right? I would encourage you to try that sometime. You need at least a half an hour for it to work. But do you know what I experienced? I began to hear things that I didn't notice before. I began to smell things that I didn't notice before, like what I'd stepped in on the way to the, anyway, right? I began, as I took away my sight, my other senses were sharpened, and I became more aware of my environment. You do the same thing, you'll experience the same result. Fasting is kind of like that. We remove the distractions of the world so that our spiritual senses can be sharpened and our hearts can become more aware of the presence of God. And when we are in God's presence, listening and focused to him, things happen. Things change in our hearts, right? This is why in Acts 13 and 14, they prayed and fasted before making big decisions. It wasn't to manipulate God into giving them an answer. It was, we're gonna clear out the distractions of life and sit at the feet of God, focused on him, and then from that vantage point, make the decisions that we need to make. Because things happen when you draw near to God's heart. And that leads us to the second point. We fast so that we can see the world with God's heart. 
we fast to remind ourselves that the second most important thing in life still isn't me. The second most important thing in life is to love your neighbor as yourself. The most important thing is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second most important thing is to love your neighbor as yourself. I'm not most important and I'm not second most important. And fasting reminds us of that. Look at uh, Isaiah 58, verse 6. God says, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Verse 9, he says, remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. This is the kind of fasting that God wants. Not some false, pious uh, sense of fake humility. Oh, look at me and how spiritual I am. No, God says, I want you to see the world through my eyes, to see the world with my heart, with love and compassion and mercy and be moved to action. Right, there are lots of ways that we can do this. Uh, we can volunteer at the food pantry, and some of you guys do, right? Uh, you can uh, go to CareNet Pregnancy Center and volunteer. There's a whole lot of difference between uh, posting on Twitter or Facebook about what legislation should be about abortion and actually going to the CareNet Pregnancy Center and sitting across the table from a pregnant woman who feels like she has no other option, right? We can do this and never actually accomplish anything, but if we actually sit down with somebody who is in need and help them, it makes an impact in their lives. And some of you do those things. You can uh, co contact the Stoughton Area Resource Team. Start and ask, what can I do this holiday season to help those in need in our community? And some of you do that. You can get involved with Toys for Tots. Uh, a drop-off place this year is at the Thrivent Office here in Stoughton. And some of you participate in that program. Uh, you can make a meal for a family with a new baby. Just right in our own church. And I just want to say uh, for a minute, thank you to everybody who made meals for us. Our little girl is six weeks old. And we've enjoyed a bunch of great food, great blessings, gifts, cards, thoughts, prayers. You guys are wonderful. And we felt so loved and so encouraged by you. And there are lots of babies in our church family right now. And I know those families would love to feel that kind of care for them as well. Um, let me tell you a quick story. When I was uh, in my 20s, uh, just newly married, we were at a church, uh, Central Baptist Church in Springfield, Illinois. And uh, there was an elementary school a few blocks away from the church. And 93% of the students in the school were on free and reduced lunches. So it was a pretty poor uh, school. And I felt like I needed to do something uh, in some way to serve that school. So I went there and they said, well, we need mentors for kids. And I, what does that involve? Eat lunch with a kid once a week. Okay, I can do that. So I went through all the background checks and all that stuff. And then I started having lunch with a third grader named Ben once a week. And Ben had a really rough uh, home life. His mom was a drug addict. His dad was nowhere in the picture. Um, Ben was failing all of his classes, and he got into fights almost every week. Now, I didn't do anything other than spend a half an hour with him once a week eating. I didn't bring my Bible and go through Bible study. I didn't bring a how to counsel a kid book and, and walk through some stuff. All I did was sit with him and eat once a week. And by the end of the second quarter, his grades had moved from D's and F's to B's and C's. 
he hadn't gotten into a fight the entire second quarter. I got to meet his mom and help her get into a drug rehab program. When they got evicted from their apartment, I had an opportunity to help them get into a homeless shelter for women and children. Right? All these opportunities just exploded, and I didn't even know what I was doing. It wasn't me. All I did was spend a tiny fraction of time with this kid once a week. And it made a huge impact in his life. And shortly after that, we moved to Pontiac, Illinois. And I, I don't know whatever came of Ben, but it was a powerful reminder that when we see the world with God's heart, God will work through us to make a difference in people's lives. And I want to celebrate what Lakeview as a church does because Lakeview is a church that does love the world the way that God loves the world. We packed 40 Thanksgiving boxes this year. So there are 40 families in our area who would not otherwise be able to afford a Thanksgiving meal that will have everything they need for that meal. We gave 84 shoeboxes for Operation Christmas Child. Great, great job. Well done. Another opportunity that's coming up there are nine Ukrainian refugee families uh, in, that have been resettled to Stoughton. Uh, they've applied for work visas. They're in the paperwork's in process. They don't have much, and they're refugees from their homeland that's under attack. So we think it would be great, since we have Christmas uh, service this year, we think it'd be great that around Christmas time we'd like to do a Christmas offering to bless the re- uh, Ukrainian refugee families. We're telling you now so you can start thinking about what you might be able to give. These are just opportunities to see the world the way that God sees the world. And fasting helps remind us that the most important thing is to love God and the second most important thing is to love others. I don't know about you, there are times in my life when I get really out of alignment. I get focused on myself and my agenda and my plans and what I think should be happening in the world. And fasting, I've, in my own experience, has been a great a way of sort of recalibrating my heart, sighting my soul in on the heart of God so that my heart is aligned with his. And that helps me in my walk with Christ to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love my neighbor as myself. Um, I want to close this message by inviting one of our overseers up who I would consider maybe to be an expert on fasting, although he's shaking his head. Let's welcome Gary Cook. (laughs) Gary, why don't you uh, just start a little bit by just telling us who you are. I mean, you know you've been at Lakeview for a long time, but we have a lot of new folks who may not be as familiar with you, but tell us who you are and and what your practice of fasting looks like. Um, Good morning, everybody. I'm an overseer here. Um, I'm a researcher at the University of Wisconsin. Um, And I've been fasting for, um, on a weekly basis, for about uh, over a decade. I'm not sure exactly when. I try to go back to my journals to answer your question, but I don't know, but yeah. So a weekly basis, what what does that mean? For me, it's fasting food, um, although I have fasted other things, but fasting food, um, uh, usually, or it had been for um, a full day, so from breakfast to breakfast. Recently, I've had some health issues, so I can't fast a full day, but a partial day. So I, I've, now I'm fasting um, two meals. Okay. Once a week? Yes. Okay. So then you mentioned like health issues, fasting from food, but you fasted from other things. What are some other ways... If somebody says, I don't know if I can 
abstain from food? What are some other ways they can practice fasting? Well, I can turn off the television. <laughs> fast from that for a while or for screens or from your phone or fast from doing activities that you would normally do um, as, a, as a, a method of devotion to God. Um, it, it's still food, but um, I also, when the 40 days of, um, what was that last year? What remove was the high places. Yeah, remove the high places. Um, asked us to do a fast for 40 days. I f fasted coffee. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, if you fast from coffee, call the church and make an appointment because I do marriage counseling. Um, and you might need that just preemptively, just get one on the books. So um, you've been fasting weekly for over a decade. What got you into that? Um, I wanted to really build some some discipline and some spiritual um, opportunities to spend some time with God. Um, there are some areas in my life that I wanted to really work on as uh, far as being obedient and adding that discipline I felt was a one way and some of the folks I chatted with had uh, encouraged me to think about that. Um, so it, it, it is an opportunity once if you you know miss a meal or miss a couple meals when you're hungry, it's, a, it's an opportunity for you to use that as your reminder instead of your phone that maybe you want to uh, think about God, maybe pray, maybe pray for someone. So it's just an opportunity for me to use a, a non-technical reminder about connecting with God. Mm -hmm. You mentioned, I, something I want to follow up a little bit. You mentioned talking with some others who recommended fasting. So were you being discipled at the time or how did you learn about fasting? It's over a decade ago now, so you're trying to... <laughs> um, it was with people who I was, um, who I respect, um, who had discipled me in the past, yeah. Okay, and, they, and then when you started fasting, was it a totally a solo thing? Did you have like a fasting buddy or... I think I have done fast with people. I think when I started it, it was um, a result of uh, a single thing, a solo thing that I was doing. Yeah, I don't usually like talking about it, but yeah. yeah. It's funny because fasting, you know, it's supposed to be humble and private. When I asked Gary, hey, would you share with the church about fasting? He was like, doesn't that go against what Jesus taught? <laughs> yes, but that's okay. Um, Paul also said, you know, follow my example. So uh, I really struggle with that, Bert. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, where are, where are we at? I lost my, my spot in my questions. Oh, what, so you've been fasting for over a decade. What has, what's that experience been like for you? What are some of the things that you've learned? Or I think it's been up and down. I don't think it's a magic bullet. Um, I don't think uh, if you, I don't think it's something that, you know, you, like you said, I think earlier, it's not a, a, any money or finances you can spend to God and say, okay, I wanted to do this, so I'm going to fast and you give me that. It doesn't work that way. Um, I, one of the disciplines, I try to keep it as a spiritual discipline so that I can really focus on God and, and work at being obedient, but that doesn't always help me be obedient. Um, but I have had opportunities where God's really connected with me um, during the day because usually I'm fasting on a, on, on a weekday and I'm at work. And so it's just an opportunity, opportunity for me to take a moment and bang, oh, okay, yeah. And I'm hungry. Yeah. Stop and acknowledge God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then, on our branch of Christianity, fasting is not super common. Uh, what, would you, what advice would you give for someone who might not have much experience but would like to try? 
I would encourage you to try try it. I think it's been a discipline that's been helpful for me. Uh, don't start, you know, like Jesus, don't take 40 days. Not a good idea. Um, but start slow. Uh, and start something that, start with something that is um, meaningful for you. So for example, um, it doesn't have to be food. It could be turn your phone off and put it away for for a day or turn off the television and um, spend some time with family or um, decide not to eat lunch, eat lunch and let that skip by. It doesn't, I wouldn't recommend, you know, committing yourself to a long, arduous thing, but um, just take an opportunity to remove something. And as you get reminded about the thing that you're giving up, um, use that opportunity to shoot an arrow prayer to God or to, to think about um, connecting with somebody you haven't connected with. Just use that opportunity as sort of a reminder to, uh, to either follow up and spend some time with God or follow up and spend some time with people. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would add to that, uh, when you first start fasting, it really does help to have a fasting buddy. You know, to say, like, I'm going to be miserable on Thursdays because I'm not eating. And so is my friend. <laughs> and we're miserable together, but we know, and then you're texting one another kind of throughout the day, hey, I know you're looking at those, that bag of chips. Don't do it, you know, uh, or whatever. That, it really helps to know there's somebody else sort of walking through that with you. That's especially good as you're getting Another started. way of thinking of Ecclesiastes 2. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their misery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> will, you, will you pray over us, Gary? Sure. Father, thank you for this opportunity to come and worship with you, to hear your word. Father, to hear about fasting and just another opportunity to come before you. Lord, I ask that you would um, just be with us and help us as we go throughout our week, as we go through Thanksgiving, as we go into the holiday season to have opportunities to connect with you to take opportunities to reach out to other people. I I ask that you would just bring that to our minds, be that through just the opportunity of taking uh, an opportunity to miss a meal or turn off the phone or whatever, but an opportunity for us to really focus our hearts on you and our actions on serving other people. Lord, we just lift you up and ask that you would um, just bless us, help us grow closer to you. Lord, I pray that you would increase our discipline in in spending time um, with you and spending time serving other people. So Lord, we lift this, the rest of this day, we look forward to what you will be doing in and through us. Thank you for this opportunity for the rich and many blessings we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go this week and enjoy feasting with your family and friends and all that God has blessed you with, and then maybe give fasting a try. Have a great week.